the Muslims believe that any place where Muslims have been, any place where they've prayed, belongs to mm-hmm. Islam. So a, yeah, any and, place and, they prayed. Exactly, any uh-huh. place they prayed. So whatever was under the Ottomans or any other Muslim rule, like all the way to Spain, yeah, that's Spain was under under the Moors, right? Mm-hmm. So they claim Spain, and they're expecting to get it back. And even uh, I saw a little video clip the other day of in this square of just hundreds and hundreds of you know Muslims all bowing down, and all that. And the caption said, "Is this uh, Mecca?" And underneath says, "No, it's London." <laughs> God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out his spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring, we equip for that outpouring, so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. We're so glad that you're with us. This is going to be a wonderfully interesting study that we're going to do to help you understand what is going on in the conflict in Israel. This is part two, and we're going to focus this time on the Palestinian question. What is this really all about? We're so glad that you're with us today. This is a wonderful day to be alive, a wonderful day to be worshiping the Lord, and we're glad that you are with us today as we contend for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all humanity. And we want to encourage you that it's really in our heart to help equip you. And this podcast in particular is helping to equip you with an understanding of what is going on in Israel so that you can answer questions that other people have and you can help people overcome the things that they've been believing that aren't necessarily so. So we want to encourage you to go to our website, globaloutpouring.net, and Be sure that you have signed up for our email lists if you haven't already done so, because we want to be able to stay in touch with you. While you're on our website, you can fill out the feedback form, or you can write us an email at feedback at globaloutpouring.org. So in our last episode, we talked about the Israel side of things, because there's a conflict between Israel and the so-called Palestinians. And I say so-called, and you, you'll understand shortly uh, what, what I mean by that, but, yeah. but we covered the fact that the Bible promises, God promised in his word to give the land to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there's all kinds of archaeological evidence all over the land that proves that the Jews have been there, that Israel has been there, that they've been there thousands of years. Yeah. And there's uh, some buildings actually in Jerusalem you can go into. And when they were excavating, they found all those ruins of something, you know, underneath it. Oh, and yeah. So they. When they were excavating to build. Ex- to build. And yeah. so. And. Uh, building it, roads, building train tracks, whatever. Yeah. And so they would. Uh, Every so often have a piece of glass where you can learn lights, you can look down what's underneath. 
Yeah. Because that's the only way they could really build because it's mm -hmm. an archaeological thing. Yeah. And there's more archaeology in Israel per square foot than anybody else, anywhere else I know. Yeah. It's just really, really amazing. So It is amazing. And so we covered those things. And I just think it's interesting that from the time that God made that promise to Abraham, it's been roughly 4,000 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Roughly 4,000 years. And then roughly mm, 3,500 years, 3,800 years, somewhere in there from the time that Joshua came and conquered the land. And there's mm -hmm. archaeological evidence again for all of these things. Yeah. And, and they just keep uncovering more keep and more and more all the time. You, you can find that kind of information on YouTube. If you're interested in that kind of thing, just just look at uh, archaeology in Israel and, and YouTube will feed you lots and lots yeah. and lots of material. And make sure you get, uh, it's better if you look for the Jewish sites and stuff, because some they're there that will try to change you know, what the <laughs> truth is. Yeah, that's true. Kind of like the news today. Yes, know? that's true. So Jerusalem celebrated an anniversary, the 3,000-year anniversary of David coming to Jerusalem to rule. Mm -hmm. Just a few years ago, yeah. we, we were there for that. Yeah, I remember that. That was yeah. awesome. And then we covered the fact that, you know, in the time of Jesus, Rome was ruling over what they called the province of Judea. Mm -hmm. And they might have called it Syria, Judea, because okay. Syria was the north beyond, yeah. beyond what would be Judea. Uh -huh. And the Jews kept trying to do again with Rome what the Maccabees had done with, with Greece to overthrow them. So there'd, there'd be a revolt, and then Rome would come down hard on them. And, yeah. you know, in, in 70 AD, Rome destroyed the temple. And yeah. when was Masada? That was, that was a, around that time. I don't remember exactly what year. It was, just, but it was after that, because that's where I think so. a lot of the zealots, they, and just people just went to Masada, which was Herod's desert fortress. Right. So then in 135 AD, uh, the Bar Kokhba revolt, revolt happened. And Rome was fed up, and they said, that's it. We're cleaning them out. Mm. And they came down hard, and they completely decimated things. They completely raised Jerusalem to the ground, I yeah. think, and several other cities, and, and commanded the Jews to all leave. Of course, they didn't all leave. There have always been Jews there throughout all this time. But then they named the place Palestina in order to try and wipe out any history of the Jews ever having been there. And it's been mm -hmm. called Palestine, really, actually, in more recent centuries. I, I mean, it was, it was named that by Rome. But then in the 600s, when the Muslims came, mm -hmm. and it's amazing to me how many different Muslim conquests there were. And each different group of Muslims would come and they'd you know, beat out the other Muslims or the Crusaders or whoever, and they then they'd go back to Baghdad or they'd go back to Cairo or they'd go back to Damascus and rule from there. They didn't rule from Jerusalem. Right. It, uh -huh. They weren't they weren't at weren't home there. Yeah, that you know? wasn't home. Yeah. So it's just sad to me that the scholars of the you know eighteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth centuries, twentieth century. The scholars that were studying the Bible, once the Bible became available, they were calling the place Palestine instead of Judea. I don't, I don't understand why, yeah. but I guess that's what the maps that said that they had available yeah. to them. Uh -huh. So anyway, moving on, we have the other side of 
the conflict. So there's this conflict, and the people who are in conflict with Israel are calling themselves Palestinians, although there is no history of them being called Palestinians. If you if you like old movies, you can go and find the 1960 film called Exodus mm-hmm. with Paul Newman. Yeah, that's really good. It's it's a good movie. Good. It gives a lot of history. Uh, you know, of course, it's got a love story, all what wrapped up in it and whatnot. But but it it tells the story pretty well about what was going on prior to 1948. And the thing that was interesting to me was. He's he's calling himself a Palestinian. He's he's playing the part of a Jew, and mm-hmm. and he's calling himself a Palestinian. And well, that was that was enlightening to me when I saw the movie. That wait a minute, they're calling themselves Palestinians. And then I I dug a little deeper, and you know the uh, like what is now the Jerusalem Post was then called. The Palestine Post. Exactly. Yeah, I remember. You can Google, you can find that. Yeah. I've seen pictures of it in Israel. You know, they mm-hmm. have a front page and a frame, the Palestine Post. And it kind of takes you back. I thought, what? But yeah, <laughs> if you didn't know the history. Right. And they didn't know better. They didn't They didn't think to call it Judea. You know, they. it was just, it had been Palestine for two, uh, almost 2,000 years, not quite that long, but... It's really interesting that the people who are now calling themselves Palestinians never called themselves Palestinians before. Mm-hmm. When we first started going to Israel, and, and, and I just want to say this, I do not consider myself to be any kind of an expert on this, but I've been going there for 45 years. You'd be a real good tour guide. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. I love uh-huh. it. I, I don't want to go into the details of that, but what's interesting to me is the history that I have watched happen, Mm because I started going in 1978. All right, that's just five years after the Yom Kippur War. That's only 30 years after it became a nation. Right. Right. It was a very young nation. It's a very young time of Israel's history. And it's only 75 now. Yeah. So it's just interesting to me to look back over these years and, and the things that I've gleaned in my probably something like 50 times going... And being in connection with with the people and studying and loving the Word of God, it's you know it's all in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I have a unique perspective, I think, and I found it very very interesting that the Lord allowed me to have my first trip there in 1978 on the heels of the Camp David Accords with Jimmy Carter and Anwar Sadat and Menachem Begin. It was like the day before we flew to Israel. Wow. Yeah. And and I saw this on the television that in, in the home where we were visiting on our way to New York. And I knew that there was something very significant. I didn't understand it. I was uh-huh. you know, I was only twenty and I hadn't learned a whole lot yet. I was <laughs> I was just getting started in learning. But I, I think that was so significant that the Lord allowed me to see that and watch all of these agreements down through the years in in the meantime. But what's going on there, we have to understand that there are Arabic-speaking people mm-hmm. that are, well, there, there's lots of different factions among them. Yeah. And there are those that are Christian Arabs and those that are Muslims. And there's there's some tribal stuff too. You know, mm-hmm. they, they come from different clans of, yeah. of Arab 
dissent. Got you the know. Druze and different. Yeah, that's another whole group other of people. people group. Yeah. In the first so many years that we went, there was no talk about Palestinians. There was talk about Israelis and Arabs. Yeah, I remember we were up in the we were up on Mount Hermon mm-hmm. and went into a, a coffee. Oh yeah, yeah. Store there and and I I. Uh, ignorantly said, do you have any Turkish coffee? You know, that's the coffee that when you boil it five or six times in a little pot, it's real thick and yeah. you put a ton of Yummy. sugar in it. Yeah, a little cup. And he said, Arab coffee. You know, he didn't say Palestinian coffee. Arab, that's right. That's Arab right. coffee, he corrected right. me. <laughs> right. So then sometimes I would hear them talk about themselves as being Jordanians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Jordan had been occupying the West Bank from 1948 till 1967. And what is the West Bank? The West Bank, oh honey, the West Bank, Uh oh don't get me started. The West Bank is the Western Bank, the Western side of the Jordan River. Uh Okay, the side of the Jordan River that's on the West. And what happened there? And so that whole region is the area where most of the biblical historical accounts take place. Most all, if not all, of the altars that were built by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, altars and memorials, places where God appeared Here. to them, yes. are all in what's called the West Bank. Yeah, it's Judea and Samaria. It's really Judea and Samaria. Yeah. And So to call it the West Bank is improper. Right. And even in the back of your Bible, it says the West Bank. Mm-hmm. It's because they're, they're just ignorant of right. what the, the truth is. Right. And, and they're, they're calling it the West Bank be, just because it's on the western side of the Jordan. But when the, the land was divided by the British, there was this area that they were going to give to the uh, Jewish people. And then there was a place beyond Jordan, called Transjordan, which means beyond, beyond Jordan. Jordan. Okay. So the other side of the Jordan, that's, that's what it was called in the New Testament. You, you see places where it's referred to as beyond Jordan. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus went beyond Jordan. It, that's, that's the other side of the... Transjordan means the, beyond Jordan. It means the uh, other, other side, side of, the of Jordan. Jordan. It doesn't mean both sides of the Jordan River. It yeah. means the other side of uh-huh. the Jordan River. Yeah, you can write that in your Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, these people were calling themselves Arabs or Jordanians until... I'm trying to figure out when it was that I started hearing them referring to themselves as Palestinians. I think it might have been in the 90s. And no, it was Arafat started it. Yeah. We are Palestinians. Right. And that was 72. Mm. Well, I don't know three? just when he started, probably right after 67. He started yeah. He started into that, but it didn't catch on right away. But you keep repeating something. Yes. And if you repeat something, it's a good communist uh, tactic, which they're using. <laughs> you keep, and uh, all of our news people do it too. You keep re- uh, repeating a lie long enough, people will believe it. Mm-hmm. It's true. And that's what has happened Right. With this name. So who are these people? Where do they come from? Where do we see them in the word of God? Well, in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 11, and this is to Hagar. She was an Egyptian and she was the slave of Sarah. And she was kind of like a concubine also because the promised seed Isaac hadn't showed up yet. And so he got ahead of God's plan Mm -hmm. and tried to create it. Right. But not through Sarah. And the scripture, though, in Genesis 16 
and 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. Wow. So that's Ishmael. That's Ishmael. And what? And now Esau. Yes. So then, then in the next generation, you've got Isaac has Jacob and Esau. Uh-huh. And Jacob was the one the promise would go to, and Esau was the one that the promise didn't go to. And he was also pretty much a wild man. He's a wild man, yeah. Okay. And so the, the Idumeans, the, the Edomites, the um, Mount Seir, those, the, those are references in the Bible that refer to the people that were descended from Edom or uh-huh. from Esau. And so there's that people group. So there's cousins in the next generation. And then you've got Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham. Uh-huh. And after the downfall of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot and his daughters ran, and they were the only survivors of the family. <laughs> and and they first they went to this little city, and they decided that wasn't safe, and they went to the mountains, which is where the angels told them go to in the first place. First place that, yeah. that little city probably should have been destroyed too. Um, I think that was Zoar. And so the daughters are there with their dad and they're thinking it's the end of the world. How are we ever going to find husbands? Let's get our dad drunk and get pregnant so that we can carry on to the next generation. So that happened. And the offspring of those, of that incestuous relationship was Ammon Mm -hmm. and Moab. Moab. So they, they were located in what is now Jordan. So mm-hmm. you, you've got Ammon Jordan. Ammon. It, it's remembering the Ammonites. Ammonites. Okay. Ammon Jordan. Oh, I never yeah. thought of that before. So, and, and then you've got Moab. You remember Ruth came from Moab. Moab. Ruth uh-huh. the Moabitess. Moabitess. Okay. Uh-huh. So th- these, are, these are people groups that are in that region. And then you've got Abraham, after Sarah died, he took another wife because God said, after all, you're going to be the father of many nations. So let's have some more babies. So he's creating color. <laughs> so he, he took another wife. And out of all of those offspring, let's just look quick at, at who that is. Genesis. Genesis 25 says, then again, Abraham took a wife and her name was Keturah. And she bare him Zimran and Jokshan, and Medan, and Midian. You've heard of the Midianites, right? Okay. Remember Moses' father-in-law was a Midianite? So he was a worshiper of the one God, because he'd learned that from his father, Abraham, right? And Ishbak, and Shua, and Jokshan begat Sheba. Where have you heard of Sheba? The queen of Sheba. Sheba. Okay, so that's that's probably modern-day Yemen or somewhere in that vicinity. And Dedan and the sons of Dedan were Ashurim and Latushim and Leumim, and the sons of Midian, Ephah and Epher and Hanach and Abida and Eldaah. All these were the children of Keturah. So you've got all of these descendants of Abraham in that region. Mm -hmm. So there's descendants of Abraham in that Uh whole region. They're they're actually all Semites. All all different flavors. All different flavors. 
And there's this kind of an ancient hatred that's talked about in the scripture that there's a jealousy of the ones who were chosen by God. Yeah. And so there's there's been this this spiritual darkness that has tried to mar the minds of the people that are not the chosen ones. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the issue that's going on. I want to be sensitive and help you understand that there are there are different people groups with different situations. Like the Arab Christians, many of them trace their history back to the time of Jesus. Yeah. Uh-huh. The shepherds fields. Yeah. 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 Some of some of them are descendants of the shepherds in Bethlehem. Of course, they would be Jews originally, mm-hmm. but they became believers in Jesus. And they stuck it out when the Muslims tried to conquer, and, and they stuck it out and stayed with Jesus. But a whole lot of people, both Jews and Christians, became Muslims. Yeah. Because, they were forced uh, to. They were forced to. It's you yeah. do it or you die. You do it or you die, or you pay a big fine. Yeah. And, you know, they people did what they chose to do. And then when things lightened up, a lot of them didn't go back to being Jews or Christians. They mm-hmm. just stayed being Muslims. And there are things in the Muslim religion that make it very, very difficult for Jews and Christians. Let me just back up and say, there was a long, long period of time where the Jews and Christians under Islam lived in relative peace and harmony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had their children would all play together. Yeah. But then... When the Jews started coming back to the land in the late 1800s, there was a move along along those lines, and uh, from mostly from Russia and from Eastern Europe, uh-huh. in in those first couple of waves of of immigrants. And around the same time, the Ottomans were kind of looking at how the Jews are developing things, and the British are starting to show up. And, and so they're making, making it available to workers from neighboring countries to come there to help them build the nation. So there were a lot of Muslim and Christian uh-huh. Arabs that came for work. And they came from all, all over North Africa. A lot came from Algeria. There were Circassians up in, uh, in the... Uh, what would be now the former Soviet Union uh, around the Black Sea, there was a there was a Russian genocide really of the Circassians, and some of them fled and ended up in Israel. They're Muslims, but mm-hmm. before they be- were forced to become Muslims, they were Christians for a thousand years. Yeah. So you know you've got people that were historically Christians, and they had to become Muslims. So th- this was this is a really hard thing, a really difficult thing. And one of the things that the Muslims have as their, as one of their, I don't know if you'd call it a tenet, but it's it's an understanding that they have that if it's necessary for the sake of promoting Islam, you can lie. Yeah. And you can you can hide the fact that you're a Muslim, or you can pretend that you're not a very serious Muslim. Or you can just outright lie about what Muslims believe. And you could pass a lie detector test. I would think so. Because there's no condemnation because the Quran says you can lie to yeah. someone who's not a Muslim. Right. So they, what they, they do, they tell you what you like to hear. Exactly. That's what you get. 
And and that that kind of bleeds over into the whole culture. Yeah. I heard this from one of our guides. This is a giving idea how they think. Uh, if a PLO officer goes into an Arab store, he can take what he wants. Mm -hmm. He said, I want this, I want that, da-da-da-da, and not pay for it. Okay, if an Israeli soldier walks into that shop and says, I would like this, I like this, and like that, and pays for it, they don't say, oh, he's so nice, he's going to pay for it. They say, look how weak this man is. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was told to me by an, mm -hmm. an Israeli. That. See, that's the mindset you are dealing with. It's an inferior, it's just like... Um, Size matters. You have a bigger club, bigger gun, bigger yeah. what have you. you know? Right. And they rule by fear. Uh -huh. They rule with strength and being vicious a lot of times. Yeah. You know? And, and that's why we had what happened October 7th, because this is the mindset of Hamas. Hamas is an evil, evil group that in their charter— they're not there to get a Palestinian state. Their whole thing is to annihilate Israel. Push them to the sea. Exactly. And they make this declaration, we will have the land from the river to the sea. Yeah. They don't want a two-state solution. They want a one-state solution, and it's theirs. Yeah, that's right. They, they don't want Israel to be there. Their, their job is to annihilate them. There's a thing in the Quran that, let me just back up and say this, the eschatology of Islam. Mm-hmm is in expectation of the coming of a messianic-type character that they call the Mahdi. Mahdi, yeah. Uh -huh. And he's going to come and make peace with everybody, and everything will be hunky-dory. And then Jesus will come back and establish a worldwide Muslim culture. <laughs> uh, That's yeah. their eschatology, yeah, okay? Uh -huh. But part of that is they're expecting the Mahdi to come when there is great violence going on, okay? Mm -hmm. So in some of the writings of Islam, I can't quote exactly where it is, but I've got a little quotation of an English version of it. It says, the hour will not start until after the Muslims fight the Jews and the Muslims kill them. The Jew will hide behind a stone or tree and the tree will say, oh, Muslim, O oh, servant or slave of Allah, this is a Jew behind me. Come and kill him. So they are taught from childhood to hate the Jews. And our dear friend Kamran Yari from Iran, originally from Iran, a former Shiite Muslim, very devout at the time. Jesus appeared to him. He became a believer. That's the very short version. We'll we'll put. Uh, <laughs> we need to have him on again. <laughs> yeah, but we, we we've had him on before, and and we'll put a a link to that podcast in the show notes so that you can hear the rest of his story. But he makes a statement. I didn't ask to be born a Muslim. I was just born a Muslim. I couldn't help it. And so we have to just stop the inclination to just be angry with these people or have an initial negative response about them because we just need to pray for them. Because mm -hmm. God yeah. wants to pour out his spirit on the Muslims. It, and you may know that the fastest growing church on the planet is the underground church in Iran. In Iran. Yeah, yeah, you don't hear about that much. Not on the news. Not on the news. You have to listen to the right kind of news to hear that. Yeah. Uh -huh. So there is something going on in Iran that's wonderful. And all of this other stuff that's going on, you know, 
man, we don't want anybody to drop the atomic bomb on Iran because of all these wonderful believers. But you know what I mean? There's there's things that we we have to get our perspective right from the kingdom point of view. Mm -hmm. Well, as far as the Quran goes, some years back we bought I bought an English version of the Quran, and the particular one I have. It's um, This is by Ballantine Books. This was actually printed in April of 1993, this printing. And, you know, in the Quran is all Allah. Mm-hmm. But in this, you will not find the name Allah in it. Yeah. Everything is God, God. Yeah, anywhere where Allah's name appears in the, the Arabic scripture, yeah. or whatever you call it, the Arabic Quran, it's translated as God. So there's a confusion about who are we talking about? Yeah, that God might also bring to naught the craft of the infidels. God bring to, you know. Mm -hmm. O ye faithful, obey God, which is Allah, and his apostle, which would be Muhammad, and turn not away from him, now that ye hear the truth. Okay, so you can pick this Quran up, and it's very poorly marked. You know, it doesn't have an index in the front. I was only able to find it by the, you know, makes it hard to find anything in it. But about... 12, 13 years ago or more, 14 years ago, we were at a conference and we heard a man that was a Christian Arab and he befriended some Arab scholars that, you know, they were, they were Muslims, now they're believers, and he felt inspired to translate the Quran into proper English. Accurate English. Accurate English, because uh, what he says is the Qurans you buy, the English ones, they're sugar-coated. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you what it's really saying. So I'm going to read a couple things out of this. Um, and this particular Quran, this is called, it's called the Generous Quran. Which is the proper translation. It's the proper translation, not holy. The Generous Quran is the proper. And you can look for this. It's Usama Dakdak Publishing. That's his name, Usama Dakdak. You can also find these on uh, eBay and um, Amazon because I found them there. And I bought a few more just to have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, this is his footnote, and this is uh, chapter 17, I guess what it is. One of the big uh, things the Muslims have today is like uh, the third most holy site in Islam. Mm. Number one is Mecca. That's mm-hmm. where... Um, the stone is that black stone. They go kiss it and and get when, yeah. When they go on Hajj, yeah. When they go do the Hajj once a year, and then there's Medina number two, and then they say Jerusalem, mm-hmm. the holy site. But there is no mention in the Quran. The name Jerusalem does not appear. You see Mecca, Medina. You'll see all these other names, but there is no mention that this is Jerusalem. This is what um, the publisher writes before. In the, in the footnote here before the scripture that they have. And it says, This passage describes Muhammad's trip to Jerusalem and to the seven heavens. Muhammad claimed that he visited the Temple of Solomon and prayed in it. However, the temple was actually demolished 550 years earlier. And what year was that? That was about six. His night journey was about 621 A.D. This is the date of it. But the Solomon's temple was destroyed in 586 B.C. That was Mm -hmm. the first temple. And the second temple. And the second temple, the 70 A.D. So that was Herod's, you know, the one that Herod built. And so that was destroyed. And so Muhammad is born 550 years later. 
Mm-hmm. So I'll continue reading here. According to the Hadith, Muhammad ascended to the seventh heavens riding a mule after his miraculous visit to the temple. Notice in verse 93, when the people requested that Muhammad ascend to heaven as a proof to believe in him, his response was not, I have already been to heaven, but rather, I am just a human. Hmm. See, he's submitting he's just a human. He's not, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is uh, what the, their, uh, the correct English translation of the Quran says. Praise be to him who took his servant by night from the forbidden mosque to the farthest mosque. So Jerusalem, they're saying, is the farthest mosque. Whom we have blessed that which surrounds him, that we might show him some of our signs. Surely he is the hearing, the seeing. This is what they go on to make the Temple Mount a holy site. And it has Alaska Mosque, which is a very old mosque. And that was built when? It was, it's been there a long time. Yeah. But there is no legal right to that Temple Mount because Jerusalem is not in the Quran. It is not there. You can hunt all you want. You will not find Jerusalem in the Quran. You know, it's a political thing. Right. Muslim well, thing, political. They, I, they, It goes deeper than that. Okay, tell us. It goes into something in the spirit. Okay, yeah. My, oh, yeah, we're going to Isaiah now. Yeah, my observation, I've been on this for some years, where in one of the places, I think it's Bethsaida in Israel, there is what they call a stella, which is a carved rock that has a little G God carved into it, and it's Baal, <laughs> and, and he's like a, a bull with horns that are shaped like a crescent moon. And mm-hmm. he's so he's supposed to be the moon god. And there's there's some evidence that Muhammad was born on Allah's day. And at the time he was born, all of the days of the year had a god. So when he found out that he, you know, he, he had started having his experiences and, and Allah is telling him that he's the only one. Then he's he now he starts to have this this monotheistic uh-huh. thing, but the moon god, you know, you see the crescent moon on top of all of the minarets and on top of all the mosques mm-hmm. and on all the flags. So there's something connecting to the moon god, which has gone all the way back to even the the golden calf probably had horns like that, that got the Israelites in trouble still at the foot of Mount Sinai. Yeah. You know, they didn't get very far before they blew it. (laughs) And what I see is that in Isaiah 14, starting with verse 12, it says, How are you fallen from heaven, O light bringer and day star, son of the morning? In the King James, it says Lucifer. How you have been cut down to the ground, you who weakened and laid low the nations, O blasphemous satanic king of Babylon. And you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of assembly in the uttermost north, or in the sides of the north, as the King James says. And there's only one other place that talks about the sides of the north. Mm -hmm. And that is in the Psalms where it says, uh, talking about. Yeah, that's in Psalm 48, verse 2. Go ahead, read it. Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised in the city of our God, and that's Lord is Jehovah. Mm-hmm. Greatly to be praised in the city of our God in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion 
on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. So I remember we used to sing a little song, a little chorus on that one. I won't try and try and do yeah. that right now. Maybe <laughs> you know that chorus, but but we used to sing the chorus over and over again. Great is the Lord, great need to priest. And I couldn't understand beautiful for situation. That it's, just didn't. I was young, okay? Yeah. I didn't get it. I just didn't get and, it. And King James isn't the easiest. Right, it's uh, true. And that's all we were reading in those days. But we were sitting on the southern steps of the Temple Mount, and we were singing that song. And I suddenly realized that just to the south of us was the city of David, where David would have written that. Yeah, and those steps we were sitting on are the actual steps of the first temple. Yeah. yeah, the first temple. Some of those are Solomonic stones. Yeah, well, you, know? you can sit on those steps because they, they haven't been touched. Mm-hmm. What They're a feeling still there. that is. But then I suddenly had this, this epiphany that, oh, it's situated beautifully on the north side of the city of David. That's mm-hmm. where it is. That's where the threshing floor of Aruna was, that where Solomon eventually built the temple. Yeah, okay. So we see the only other place that that, location is talked about is right here where we're talking about Lucifer, Uh where he says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the assembly, mount of assembly in the uttermost north or on the sides of the north. And you have to realize that this whole war going on, which has been going on, then going on now, is the deceiver himself. Absolutely. that, That is the bottom line to everything. And the other thing is who will be worshiped on the Temple Mount. Right. Is it going to be Allah or is it going to be Yehovah? And I think it's also very interesting that where it says, I will ascend, the word for ascend there. Well, that's NASA, is it? No, this oh, that's one. that's the Greek. This, I'm this sorry. One, no, NASA is, is one of the Hebrew words for, oh. for go, going up. Going up, okay. But you know the word Aliyah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Aliyah means to now. ascend. Uh-huh. All right. So the root word is Allah. Allah, yeah. Pretty interesting, Pretty interesting that this is going on, and that's where he's sitting. He's sitting there on the Temple Mount being worshipped in the place where Jehovah was worshipped all those uh-huh. years. And, you know, he's he's elbowed his way in by deception, and this whole Islam thing, he's mm-hmm. determined to take over the world. You know, mm-hmm. that that's his determination, and he's, he's just sure that he can do it, and he keeps forgetting that that he's on a time clock and he's almost done. Yeah. But anyway, I really think that that's who Allah is because even the Muslims themselves do not believe that the God of of Judaism is the same God. Even though they talk like, mm-hmm. you know, the Jews blew it. Yeah. They didn't listen to Allah and they didn't listen to his prophet. So, you know, they're in trouble now. Mm-hmm. So it's as though they think it's the same, but, but yet they, they say it's not the same. And we yeah. know, for heaven's sakes, it's not the same. It's not the Absolutely same. not the same. And, and the other thing that's very significant is that the Muslims believe that any place where Muslims have been, any place where they've prayed, belongs to mm-hmm. Islam. So, yeah, any and, place and, they prayed. Exactly, any uh-huh. place they prayed. So whatever was under the Ottomans or any other Muslim rule, like all the way to Spain— yeah, that's Spain was under under the Moors, right? Mm-hmm. So they claim Spain, and they're expecting to get it back. And even uh, I saw a little video clip the other day of in this square of just hundreds and hundreds of you know Muslims all bowing down, and all that. And the caption said, "Is this uh, 
Becca, and underneath says, no, it's London. Exactly. And they are saying, and actually when we went to hear the, this man who we got this book from, they were saying that within another 20 years that England will be a Muslim nation. Yeah, be, because the English are not having babies at a, at a strong enough rate, and the Muslims are. Yeah, they're severely outnumbered, and they're in the parliament, they're in the government, Yeah, even in ours too. Yes. You can see the handwriting on the wall. That's what they're trying to do. Because it's world dominion. And how are they going to rule? Can I read a little something? Out sure, of, go ahead. Okay, this is out of their proper English Quran. And this is um, under the title called The Spoils. And in the footnote here it says, Chopping off the heads and fingers of infidels who are opposed to Allah and Muhammad is taught here. See, what is very nice about this edition you can find stuff very easily, mm-hmm. and it'll just quicken your mind, and it can, and you can go through it. You can mark stuff, and it'll give you some uh, firepower to say this is what you believe in. But if you can't read Arabic, mm-hmm. you don't know. Yeah, you're you've been deceived. Right. So anyway, the direct translation: When your Lord revealed to the angels, "I am with you," so make firm those who believed. I will cast a terror into the hearts of those who become infidels. So chop on their necks, chop off every finger from them. This is because they have opposed Allah and his messenger. And whoever opposes Allah and his messenger, so surely Allah is severe in the punishment. That is, so taste it, and that to the infidel the torment of the fire. And another footnote underneath this says, Muslims who turn away from engaging in war with infidels will burn in hell. Yeah. So you can see why they think the way they do. They are believing with all their heart as much as driving Israel into sea and killing every Jew as we believe in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and his precious blood as our Savior and our healer. Right. See, that's how strong their belief is. But the most wonderful thing is that when Jesus appears to them and shows them who he is, they have an instant transformation. Yeah. Instant repentance, and they follow Jesus with that same kind of passion and leave behind all of the lies, and and they become lovers of Israel and lovers Mm -hmm. of the Jews. Yeah. And there's one other spot here. This is on chapter 47. It's under the one that's titled Muhammad. And this is, again, the the footnotes. Muslims should strike the necks, cut off the heads of infidels, and those who engage in war for Allah are assured of the gardens of paradise. Hmm. Okay, so when you meet those who become infidels, so strike the necks, decapitating, parentheses, until you have made a great slaughter among them. So firmly bind them, so let there neither be free dismissals or for a ransom until the war is over. In this way, and if Allah wills, he will take vengeance on them, but he would rather test some of you by the other, and those who were killed for the sake of Allah, so he will not let their works go astray. He will guide them and reform their condition, and he will admit them into the garden for which he made known to them. And later on, you can find out that garden, it's, it's full of virgins and mm. everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when you have a spirit of lust involved, too. Sure. So anyway, that's just a couple of quotes out of the proper English translation of the Quran. Yeah. So it gives you an idea of how they're thinking, what they've been taught and how to pray for them, okay? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's a matter of the God of this world has blinded their eyes. 
Yeah. And there is a, a scripture in Isaiah 25 that says that God is going to destroy in the same mountain where it's right now occupied by the wrong entity, that in the same mountain, God is going to destroy this veil. And, mm-hmm. and I'm convinced that this veil, in verse 7, it says, He will destroy on this mountain the covering of the face that is cast over the heads of all people. And this is the uh, Amplified. It says, In mourning, and the veil of profound wretchedness that is woven and spread over all nations. And I really believe that something is going to happen on the Temple Mount that Jesus is going to show himself for who he is, and all of the veil will be taken away, the deception will be taken away. Now, I want you to also understand that we have this group of people called Christian Arabs that Mm -hmm. may be Christians just by birth, not by new birth. Mm -hmm. They've been born into Christian families and you know, maybe they go to church or maybe they don't go to church. Maybe they light a candle on, on Christmas or something. But just like any other group of Christians or, or people group where there are Christians, there's just many denominations. But most of them, especially the ones that have been there for a very long time, are either some kind of Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox or Catholic, and they have been taught replacement theology. So they don't have a grid for Israel either, yeah. because they've been taught that the church replaces Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so most of them are pretty antagonistic towards Israel as well. And now that they're under this so-called Palestinian authority, and you know they didn't elect Yasser Arafat to speak for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I don't know how all of this happened that Yasser Arafat was chosen to be their spokesperson. But he just stepped up to, to begin to speak on behalf of the Palestinian people. We are Palestinians. And, and began yeah. to call them Palestinians after Israel, after 1967, when Israel got the West Bank back. And got, which, which they, and got all of Jerusalem back. Yeah, and got Jerusalem back and the Golan Heights and Gaza. Mm-hmm. Because in the 1948 war, Jordan had occupied illegally, occupied the the West Bank, and Egypt had occupied the the Gaza Strip, and Syria had occupied the Golan Heights. I guess they were already there. I'm I'm not sure just where the boundaries were before that. But anyway, Israel wound up getting all of these places. And that's when that's when Yasser Arafat began to stand up and make himself known. Mm-hmm. And in 1974, Yasser Arafat addressed the UN General Assembly. He said he was holding an olive branch for peace in one hand and a freedom fighter's pistol in the other. <laughs> okay. So this is, this is uh, written on the website that talks about his Nobel Peace Prize f- that he split with Rabin and per- Perez, who agreed to start this peace process. Okay. Yeah. And some of the the uh, Arab Muslims were very upset with Yasser Arafat, but he said, "No, no, don't worry about it. This is this is that takia that I can lie. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can lie because I'm I'm we're making inroads with the rest of the world by saying these things, but they were really harsh to the Christians. Well, how many Christians actually lived in Bethlehem? Because I remember we used to go there, and there's a Different shops who bought some, still have some beautiful olive wood. And- yeah. I don't know the actual numbers, but 
I have an article from 2012 about the world churches silent in face of Islamic perse- persecution of Palestinian Christians, and I'll put a show put a link to it in the show notes. But it says after the 1948 war, Christian communities suffered most in the West Bank, not under Israel's occupation, but because Muslim refugees were cynically settled in their midst by Arab leadership. Ramallah was 90% Christian before the war. Wow. While Bethlehem was 80% Christian. By 1967, more than half of Bethlehem's residents were Muslim, while Ramallah is a large Muslim city today. And there's not many left in uh, Bethlehem today. No. And it says, in the first year of the Second Intifada, when Arafat's terrorists ravaged Christian towns by gunfire and mortars, 1,640 Christians left Bethlehem and another 880 left Ramallah. So it's not been easy for the Palestinian mm-hmm. Christians. They, and they, they have to speak out against the quote-unquote Israeli occupation because if they don't, their silence will be perceived as pro-Israeli by the Muslims. Mm. So they've, They're forced. They're kind of forced. Yeah, to. yeah. So they, th- this is the kind of situation that there is for the civilians that really aren't involved in the politics of the thing. And, you know, they say that Hamas won that, that election in Gaza and got into power <laughs> but in 2006. But well, I, I, That sounds like it was rigged like ours. Yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> so. So with regard to the walls and fences that Israel has put up for their security, because mm-hmm. they've, you know, through the years, they've just had one wave of terrorism after another. Suicide bombers Suicide, getting on buses. Yeah. And- yeah. Markets. Yeah. All of these things. From the same article from 2012, it says that uh, Israel's barrier helped to restore calm and security, not just in Israel, but also in Bethlehem. Hmm. The Church of the Nativity, which Palestinian terrorists defiled in 2002 to escape from the Israeli army, is now filled with tourists from around the world. It was a little irksome to me when we went there uh, <laughs> that, and and we went through the wall, so, but mm-hmm. but you had to get off of your Jewish bus and get yeah. onto an Arab bus or else have an Arab driver. Yeah, because a Jew is not allowed to. Yeah, we had a Circassian driver, so yeah. he was Muslim, so he was okay. Yeah. Uh, they're a little more moderate in, in their behavior. Anyway, we had to leave our Jewish guide behind mm-hmm. and take on a guide from Bethlehem. Well, it turns out the guide that's going to show us all about the birthplace of Jesus Who's a Muslim. Is a Muslim. And telling you about your Christian heritage. Yeah, it just... It uh, doesn't sit very good. It really didn't feel good. Yeah. I was it, very sad. And you you can drive down a number of the highways in Israel in the what's Judea, Samaria, mm-hmm. and there's a road would uh, go up to a town and there'll be a big red sign on it. Mm-hmm. It'd be in English, be in Hebrew, English, Arabic, and just say this is PA-controlled territory. Jews are not allowed in there. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've been behind some of these these areas before, and it's uh, a usual feeling because they don't really want to come and get you if you get in trouble. Yeah, that's the truth. So that, that sign, the big red sign, reads this. This road leads to Area A under the Palestinian Authority. The entrance for Israeli citizens is forbidden dangerous to your lives and is against the Israeli law. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's they it's because they don't want to have to go in after them and rescue them. Yeah, because they may lose their lives doing yeah, it. Yeah, 
and and they might. Mm-hmm. So, um, just wanted to thank you for tell that. tell the rest of what that yeah. actually says. So here's here's the thing: we need to pray. We have seen the move of God change hearts. Mm-hmm. We've heard story after story after story of what happens when you start to pray for Muslims. They start having visions and dreams. They start seeing healings and their hearts are turned. Yes. That Jesus is the real Messiah. He is the one who really loves them and that God is really our father. There's mm-hmm. there's no such thing. Allah is not a father. He calls his his subjects slaves. That's what a Muslim means. Is, Muslim, is, is submitted. Yeah. It, means it means submitted. submitted which yeah. really means slave. Yeah. I mean, we're love slaves for Jesus, but right. But uh, he doesn't rule over us with a sword. No, he doesn't. We have our choices, but right. when you're a Muslim, your choices are very limited. And I want to add one thing. Uh, this is a movie that would be a big help to you. It's called Golda. Oh, yes. It was uh, Ingrid Bergman's last movie. And uh, Golda was the lady prime minister of Israel. She went there on a kibbutz before... Israel was a nation. Mm, when as a young lady li- lived on a kibbutz, it was a, and it's amazing timeline history, of and she was the prime minister in the Yom Kippur War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you'll get a better perspective of a lot of things. That's true. Yeah, the movie's called Golda. Beautiful. I'm not sure what year that was written, but uh, that'll really help you. It's true. It's true. So let's pray right now, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're agreeing with our listeners, and we're agreeing with your word that you will pour out of your spirit on all flesh. And Lord, we're asking you to pour out your spirit in Gaza, in the so-called West Bank, in Bethlehem, in Jerusalem, in all of Israel, Lord, on all the people that are involved, the Israelis as well as the so-called Palestinians. Lord, we're asking you to turn their hearts. Give them a visitation. Visit them with your love. Visit them with your life. Visit them with your light. Transform their minds and bring them into that relationship with the Prince of Peace that will transform this situation, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray for all of the, all of the Muslim nations, all the Muslim multitudes all over the world, and they've spread out to do their worldwide domination. They're trying to do it. They're, they're ready to, to launch. But Father, we're asking you to visit them. Visit these sleeper cells that are right yes, here in our Father. own country, that, yes, that are in almost every country probably. Visit them, Lord, and show yourself for who you are. Bring down that evil snake, just like in Revelation chapter 12, that dragon. We're asking you to cast down that dragon, that old serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. That's what's been going on, is the deception of the whole world. And Lord, we're asking you to cast him out into the earth and his angels with him. And we're declaring the power of the blood of Jesus Christ as this accuser of the brethren is cast down in the lives of the people. Lord, we're asking you to bring them into life and light and your love through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Transform their lives, Lord. Pour out your spirit, we pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Amen. We just want to encourage you, listener, to keep on praying and keep on studying. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with His overwhelming, loving presence. Thank you.